climate change, poverty, mental health, young people and adults face a world of constant change. It's the connections we make, innovations and education that come together to help us make a difference. Welcome to the power of young people to change the world. In this program, we bring together leaders that share stories designed to inspire you to serve, learn, and change the world. Now, here's your host, Amy Muirs. Uh, Welcome to the power of young people to change the world. I'm Shira Wolf-Cohen, and I'm excited to be your host for today's show. Normally, Amy is here every Thursday, but she is out exploring the world, so I'll be your host for this episode. I'm going to be here today to explore with you how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators like myself are utilizing the power of service learning to redesign education. So let me tell you a little bit more about me. I'm an educational leader and a community activist. I'm currently the founder of Innovagis, an educational consulting group focused on ensuring continuity of learning and inclusive opportunities for all students by building the capacity of educators to implement innovative and courageous solutions in their schools and organizations. I also have been a partner of the National Youth Leadership Council for the past 20 years. And next week, I will step into the board chair role for this organization, and I am so honored to do so. Much of the work to implement innovative solutions, innovative and courageous, include preparing youth for their future by starting today and tapping into the power of service learning as an instructional strategy that allows for educators to help students develop their passions and prepare them for their future in life. So this week, we are bringing in a few generations of professionals to talk about how they got their start, what inspired them, and how their teachers help them to get started. Today, we're going to have three guests join the show. First, we have Nicodemus Maidadu, who is the founder and CEO of Jump Button Studios. Nick is an entrepreneur and Forbes fellow who has been recognized on a national and local level for his work to bring young developers into the world of app and media production. Nick was also a student at the school where I served as a principal. I got to know him in ninth grade and have always been a strong supporter of his work. We also have Dr. Jessica Thomas. She is an assistant principal in the school district of Philadelphia and a technology educator who wrote her dissertation on culturally relevant teaching and the impact of middle school teachers' use of technology to develop culturally competent students. I have had the pleasure of knowing Dr. Thomas as both her supervisor and her principal, as a colleague through running professional development programs together, and now as a consultant who supports teacher leaders in her current school. Lastly, we have Ruby Cohen. Ruby is a young entrepreneur who started Ruby's Little Gems after learning how to sew and picking up a lot of crochet tips and small crafts during the pandemic. Ruby applied and was accepted into the Spring Craft Fair at the Abington Art Center, where she was the youngest vendor. Ruby continues to take control of her own learning when it comes to her little gems by learning, crafting, and creating every single day. I know that because Ruby happens to be my daughter, who I am extremely proud to welcome to the show. I am so pumped to have this conversation with all of you today because you're at such different points in your life and your careers. So let's get started. Before we dive into your interests and passions, I would love to learn more about each of you. 
Would you mind taking a minute to introduce yourself to our, our listeners? Maybe tell you a little bit about yourself, your stage in your life, or what your role is. Maybe anything personal that you'd like to share. So we're going to get started with Ruby. Would you mind, Ruby, introducing yourself? Hi, my name's Ruby. Um, I'm 11 years old, and I started a business called Ruby Little Gems with my friend Cami this, during this pandemic. Um, and I go to school at McKinley Elementary. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ruby. Uh, Nick, why don't you go next? Most definitely. Hey, everyone. Uh, name is Nicodemus Manadu. I am 25 years old. My journey for entrepreneurship began in ninth grade, as Ms. Wolf said. Um, <laughs> we have been making games, apps, and animations for some time, but now solely focused on games and animation since we've pivoted. Um, yeah, I'm excited. We're doing some cool stuff, and I look forward to sharing more about that throughout this segment. Awesome. Uh, Dr. Thomas, why don't you finish us off? Yes, thank you. Um, my name is Dr. Jessica Thomas, and I'm excited to be here. I am a proud mom of five, uh, ranging from six, excuse me, seven to 17, um, and a wife and an advocate in the community. I'm a coffee connoisseur, um, and I'm also, I love to cook, cook and do a lot of different things for the community around food and celebrating people and their cultures and backgrounds. Um, like Shira said, I'm a current uh, new school leader. This is my second year as an assistant principal, but I've been in education for over 10 years. And my first introduction to service learning was in high school and doing different service learning projects back in Anchorage, Alaska. That is my fun fact. That is where I'm originally from, Anchorage, Alaska. So thanks awesome. for having me. Yes, awesome. Welcome to all of you. So Ruby, um, I know that you have a lot of issues in the community that you're passionate about, both um, in your life and at school. And so I wonder, could you tell us a little bit about some of those things that you are passionate about and care about? Well, I think I'm definitely passionate about um, everybody deserves the same opportunities and chances, no matter how different they are from one another. Um, even if they are woman, man, something other than that, or their skin color, I don't really think it matters. I think everybody deserves to do something in their life. Um, and I definitely think um, it, life should be fair and there should be fair chances for everybody. Oh, yes, I love that. And I, I'm excited to talk to you a little bit more about how that comes out in your work. So, uh, Dr. Thomas, same question for you. Um, could you share what topics you're passionate about? Sure. Um, I would say that my passions resonate really with just working with young people and like minded individuals to build up our communities. I'm a passionate about lifting up student voice, helping students become advocates, um, and particularly students with disabilities. I have um, children with disabilities, but I also work with the uh, young people with disabilities every day, um, particularly also students in the foster care system. So I'm very passionate about that work and also developing urban spaces like community gardens. I have a, a little bit of a green thumb that I can attribute to my days in Alaska. 
I'm sure that you, I know for a fact you have a green thumb. Um, I've been seeing your work. So uh, Nick, what social issues give you spark? Um, you know, what, what, what makes you drive, gives you drive every day? For me, it would definitely have to be because of my belief in you don't know what you don't know. Um, a lot of young individuals who are growing up, coming out of high school, middle school, entering college, they might be interested in certain fields and industries, but what they are used to seeing around their environment may not be what they understand um, is accessible, especially with the rise of social media and all these different apps and platforms. Everybody wanting to be some type of creator, content creator, and things of that nature. It's important that for me, um, I ensure while that is a great opportunity and something for people to look at, they also remember there are so many more um, to the career options they have and there's access there, but they haven't seen themselves at the table. So I'm trying to just make sure we can create a space and company that can represent that table and individual they don't see at that table so that they can consider career paths in games, animation, technology beyond wanting to be engaged in what social media is pushing out. Yeah. I mean, there's so many social issues that, um, as adults, as young people, we can get involved with, right? Um, Dr. Thomas, you and I, um, we're together in a school where we implemented service learning based off of an entry point of social media, right? And so different social issues. And so we came from entry points from kindergarten, right? Through high school that were age appropriate. Um, and so Dr. Thomas, you're now in high school. What do you think are some of the most important social issues that you um, believe your students in your current school should know about and be aware about um, in hopes that they're gonna wanna take action? Sure. Some big social issues is one, finding your voice within the political arena, arena, being able to develop your own political consciousness, um, regardless of your parents, your friends, really knowing where you stand in terms of the community and being aware of what's going on in the community, whether it has to do with gender equality, social justice, environmental injustices, things like that. I think it's really important for students to build their own political consciousness and not just base it off of snippets of information. So that's one thing that I see students trying to do and um, and working on. And I think that's something really uh, that they should think about being committed to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think every grade, kindergarten all the way through 12th grade can have opportunities to spark interest in social issues. Um, at an age-appropriate way, right? I think back uh, to the social issue themes that we identified, um, you know, from K to eight, and they were things in kindergarten, like, you know, keeping our community safe, right? And in first grade, identifying what kids need, right? Like, what are basic needs of students and kids? All the way up to, you know, fifth grade around environmental protection and sixth grade and celebrating diversity and how do we do that, right? And so there are all these different social issues um, that we want students to care about. 
And so part of our jobs, right, uh, Dr. Thomas and I as educators is to spark that curiosity. Um, we spark that curiosity in Nick. We, um, you know, as a parent and educator, and actually a uh, cool fact is that Dr. Thomas was actually Ruby's teacher as well, right? Spark those interests in um you know, Ruby and other students. And so we're going to continue to talk about how these social issues directly impact how these folks have gotten into their careers. So we do have to take a quick break. But when we do come back, we're going to continue our conversation with today's guests. So please stay with me, Sheer Wolf Cohen, on the power of young people to change their world, Voice America Empowerment Radio. See you soon. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual Spring National Service Learning Conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Hi, welcome back. If you are just joining us, we are having a conversation about igniting passion, how we get started in our careers, and how we combine that. And so um, in this next segment, I really want to talk about how our, our guests today got started in their careers and with their businesses. So Ruby, we're going to start with you. And I wonder, could you first tell us a little bit about Ruby's Little Gems? And can you also tell us how you got started? Yes, I can. Um, Ruby's Little Gems, I feel like I wanted to start a business since the start of COVID. I just never got around to it. Um, but I went to, how I started is I went to a craft fair and then my mom told me that there was a craft fair I could sign up for. And so at first I didn't really want to do it, but then I looked more into it and I thought it was really cool. So I started making stuff and I started taking inventory and I started making goals for the craft fair. And um, I asked my friend Cami to join with me since I started the business with her. And yes. then once we had enough stuff, we signed up for it. And we also had to buy decorations and we had to fill out a form. 
Um, but we earned a lot of money and I think it was felt very good selling stuff that I made. Yeah. It's, it's, it was really incredible, you know, as your mom to watch you um, preparing all those things, right? There were chart papers that had goals and inventory lists like you talked about, but um, you also had to have some conversations about finance and money. So how did you work out with your friends? What kind of conversations did you have also about um, how you would divide up the money and um, what that profit would look like? And how did you pay for the, for the art festival, right? For the craft fair? Well, at first, um, my mom paid for the craft fair, but we paid her back with the money that we earned. And to split up the money, I went with 50-50 straight away, but my friend Cammie argued that it should be 40-60. But, and she, so she could get less because I'm the owner. But I thought that it was only fair because she made half of the stuff and I made half of the stuff. So we ended up doing splitting the money 50-50. with the prices, we had some disagreements, but not but friendly disagreements. Um, Cami thought the prices should be la- uh, larger. I thought the prices should be smaller, so people would buy them and they would sell out. Um, but I think Cami, I think because I'm not, I don't know what she thinks, but I think definitely that um, we were on the same page. We wanted them to sell. Um, but Cami thought she, the price should be bigger for the amount of work. And I thought the issues should be smaller. So we came into agreement a little bit in the middle of the prices. Mm, yeah. You guys did a lot of hard work and a lot of good conversations. A lot of things that a lot of 11-year-olds wouldn't, wouldn't be having these conversations about profit and about paying people back and about inventory and goals. So uh, it was pretty awesome to see. So Nick, uh, share with our listeners a little bit about more about Jump Button and how you founded this company. Most definitely. Um, so I can definitely say, uh, Ruby, you beat me <laughs> for sure. I was not 11 trying to figure out profits. But back for me, my journey first started when I came here from Africa um, back in 2004. I think I was around nine. And the first connection I made um, with trying to get accustomed to the culture was through a computer screen, playing a game. And that's how I made my first few friends. So fast forward to ninth grade, um, I had wanted to intern at Apple, Google, Comcast, you name it, any of the tech giants, because I had heard many horror stories about college and how people change their majors so often and getting so much debt. And I was trying to avoid that by validating my interest in the career um, I wanted to be in. But they all quickly humbled me uh, with a reminder I had to be in college before those doors would be an option. And that's how entrepreneurship found me. At first, we just started out doing a bunch of different things, games, apps, animations, uh, figuring out what we were good at, what we weren't, and what made sense. And through that, we ended up getting recognized, honored, and slowly learned, okay, this is the space I want to be in. And there is so much potential to make an impact due to my prior involvement at school with service learning initiatives and how to be and do good to the environment and each other and how that can be incorporated into the business we're trying to build. Awesome. I cannot wait to hear some of those examples of how you brought those social issues to your work. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. 
Um, Dr. Thomas, you you mentioned a little bit about coming from Anchorage and your green thumb. You obviously bring a ton of diverse experiences to your role as a school leader. Um, why did you decide you wanted to be a school leader? And what are your hopes for the students that you serve? So this is something I always ask myself um, over and over again. Like, why, why did you take this on uh, to be a school leader? And to be honest, I... I did it because I wanted to have a seat at the table to advocate for those. I felt like sometimes voices get lost in the shuffle in the system of education. And so I felt like if I could have a seat at the table, I could make space for their voices to be introduced and heard. And I try to do that, whether that's uplifting parents' voices or students um, or the community. And I really wanted to make sure that once I got a seat at the table that I could start to address some of the inequities that I might have saw in the different teaching spaces that um, I occupied through my career. Um, and so that's one reason why I became a school leader. And now that I am a school leader, what keeps me going is um, seeing the little differences of how like being able to advocate for a student for a student brings me a problem or experience that they had with a, a teacher that I can help them cultivate the skills that they need to be able to advocate for themselves because they need to have that beyond me being around. And so that's what kind of drives me now to continue my school leadership journey. In terms of for what I hope for my students, I hope that they will gain skills um, in our school community to be self-sufficient. Um, and I also hope that they build a, a thirst for learning that is lifelong, that to let them know that learning doesn't stop when you leave one class, but only continues and should be sparked for every class that you go to and in the halls. Um, mm -hmm. And then I also, I feel like I want students to also know that um, they want to sharpen their skills in school. So if you feel like oh, I really enjoy uh, making videos on TikTok. So, okay, so how can I use that and transfer those skills to share my knowledge about a history topic or uh, help educate people about voter um, rights and things like that? So how can you take your skill sets, uh, especially with technology, take it to the next level and make change? Yeah, I love that you mentioned lifelong learning. That's definitely um, one of my personal values, but also a value um, at Innovagis, right? And we know that lifelong learning starts at a really young age, and we can't wait until students um, and youth are um, in high school, right, or going to college to think about what they want to do, right? We need to um, start empowering them now. Um, one of the things I loved about watching Ruby during uh, the pandemic and during online learning, other people might not like this so much, is that I would go into her room and she would be on Zoom. And at the same time in front of her, there would be all these like jewelry parts or crochet stuff, right? Like at the same time. And she was always like having this agency in what she was creating um, and figuring out how to learn things. Ruby, um, share with everyone, how did you learn how to make a lot of your little gems? Um, how do you come up with ideas? What's your most popular item that you have created? Um, I think that Definitely, I learned to make my gems from social media, um, like TikTok and Pinterest. Um, sometimes I would find maybe a picture that's not even crocheted. 
to, and I would have an idea from it. Um, or I would see a picture of something crocheted and I would look for a pattern. Um, a pattern is basically a tutorial, a written tutorial on how to make something. Um, and I think the most, definitely the most um, popular items are mushrooms. That's yeah. definitely the most popular mushrooms. We almost sold out at the craft fair of those. So. Yes. They're these amazing little crochet mushrooms you can put inside them, right? They have a pocket. So what are the things you can put inside them, Rue? I put in crystals. Um, you can put in lunch money, hand sanitizer. Um, yeah. Chapstick really, my favorite. Yeah. Chapstick. Keys, right? Like it's a great pocket. Awesome. Uh, Nick, can you share with us? I know um, you mentioned a little bit, but what were some of the first activities you participated in that got your spark uh, to begin in media production? Within school or just in general? Um, either one, just in general, I think. I would have to say definitely in school, just participating and involving in so many different after school activities. <laughs> You'd see yeah. me at wrestling um at computer club robotics and social media club etc so it was not social media but camera where we record and film um so a lot of those kind of guided me more uh, in depth within my interest of technology yeah. and entertainment and then outside of school just online being on the web and not going to sleep at the right time. Oh, just man, you so just consumed. read my mind. I was about to say coding all night. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> being consumed by trying to figure out where I fit in um, yeah. within the ecosystem of the industry that I'm trying to be involved in. So those all really yeah. helped. Yeah. I, what I love about both your stories is you both have this agency to learn, right? Which is something that as teachers and educators, it has been kind of a buzzword this year, right? A lot of people actually said that students lost agency in their learning this year, when in fact, they gained agency. Everyone gained this deep level of agency, maybe not in what we were hoping and the teachers were giving them an assignment. But I think the passion that both you and Ruby are talking about, right? Like Nick, you had this many years ago. Um, I can't even imagine what it would have been like if you were uh, supposed to be learning online for a year, you would have been coding 24-7, right? And then we have Ruby who you know, when she's looking for a new project, and I can tell you this as her mom, she scans TikTok to look for a new project, right? Or to, or, you know, looks up directions on how to do something or just decides she liked how it looked, right? And so she wants to recreate it. And this agency is something that um, we really need to continue to build in students. Um, Dr. Thomas, I wonder, um, how do you work to build agency in the high school students that you work with? What, do, what kind of um, strategies do you use and what do you think is important? You like in terms of their motivation to be passionate about something? Yeah. I think first you just have to have those real conversations to see what, what do they do on their free time and whether or not school is being that place for them to uh, make that connection. So if I see yeah. a student, I'm out hearing a student saying that, you know, I draw at home when I'm, when I'm bored or I look outside my window and I draw, then my question is, so how can we cultivate that um, in school? And how can we make sure that your path, you don't have to live in two separate worlds, my school world yes. and my home world. How can we make bridge that connection? Yes, that's it. How do we bridge the connection? How do we bridge the connection between school and work? So uh, 
We need to take another short break. When we come back, we're going to dive a little deeper with today's guests on how they combine their business um, and careers with what they actually care about in this world. So stay with me, Shira Wolf-Cohen on the power of young people to change the world. Remember, you can follow the show on social media at nylc.org or find us at nylc.org. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back. Today I'm joined by sixth grader Ruby Cohen, who started Ruby's Little Gems. Nicodemus Maidadu, who is the founder of Jump Button Studio, and Dr. Jessica Thomas, assistant principal at Lincoln High School in Philadelphia. In this segment, we're going to talk more about how Nick and Ruby combine their love of arts and media with topics they care about in the world and learn from Dr. Thomas why it's important for youth to have a spirit that Nick embodied as a teen and Ruby embodies now. So let's get to it. Dr. Thomas, before we get to talk to Ruby and Nick, I'd love to hear more from you. Can you share with us why you think it's important for youth to have this entrepreneurial spirit that Nick embodied and Ruby embodies now shown at this young age? I think the youth of today actually are almost born with it. Sometimes it might have to be a little unearthed by an experience or an educator that sees a spark in them. But I think a lot of students have an entrepreneurial spirit in terms of they're go-getters, they're passionate, they're interested, and they just need someone to help cultivate that. I think it's important um, for young people to harness that and go after opportunities um, around them because they never know what it might what pathway it might lead them down. It could um, introduce them to a new group of friends or introduce them to a new community or a new network. And I think for both Ruby and Nicodemus, I think they realize how beneficial that is to kind of follow that entrepreneurial spirit and passion. Yeah, agreed. Um, I Ruby, I want to go back to the issues you care about in the community. You talked about equity. 
Um, you talked about having opportunities available for all people, right? Um, and so I wonder what ways are you combining um, your concern with this issue, right, of people being traded fairly, fairly with your creations in Ruby's Little Gems? How are you combining those two things? Um, I think I'm combining those two things by giving people chances. And by that, I mean, me and Cammie have been brainstorming a lot about giving crocheting classes over Zoom to people who might not have access to social media or YouTube or any kind of tutorial like that. Um, and for a lot of times, I'm selling my stuff at school. And a lot of times, um, people come up to me and they're like, can I have a mushroom necklace or something like that? And but they can't afford it. And sometimes most of the time it's a kindergartner who wants to give it to a teacher or friend or even just keep it for themselves. And I think I I just give it to them because they can afford it, but they they really want it. And I think they deserve to have it since everybody deserves the same chances. Yeah. I know you and I, um, on the morning of Thanksgiving, we went with some friends and we delivered meals with uh, manna. Um, you created some things that went along in packages for the meals. So can you talk a little bit about what you created and the materials you used and things like that? Yeah. Um, so when we went to give out meals, it was a whole Thanksgiving meal, but there weren't a lot of decorations or gifts. So I made some fabric napkins, a set of two. Um, one was this light uh, white lace type fabric um and the second was this very thanksgiving red green yellow and brown plaid i think i definitely made that because it's a gift and for these people who are getting the mail these meals um can't really afford or can't it, it isn't in a position to go out and buy a whole feast to make um and i think they deserve something a little extra yeah, I loved it. It was great. And it was great to also see you going through your stuff and identifying like pieces of fabric and measuring them out and identifying how big they need to be, right? You had to look yourself for how big do they have to be and how do I make these, right? So it's pretty awesome. Um, Nick, um, we know that Jump Button is a for-profit company. However, you all do a lot of really important work related to social issues. And so based on your passions and the interests that you care about, what projects has your ta company taken on? Uh, the most recent uh, best one that I've had a lot of enjoyment with was with a partner, partnership with a nonprofit called Young Storytellers. So their focus, um, they're based out of California. Their focus is taking youth and teaching them how to write scripts. Then they bring in actors and actresses, professional actors and actresses to act out these scripts as plays. So we partnered with them and took that a step further and working with three brothers where we took the script they wrote of a story about zombie tacos Right. Or <laughs> the people ate tacos that were bad that turned them into zombie tacos. And we turned that into an animated trailer and taught them the ropes of animation, the process that you go through. And from concept to production, they were kind of producing and directing the entire thing from start to finish. And they got to experience and feel 
as though they were making their own animated short of sorts. And then this got featured and premiered at a big event called The Biggest Show um, that's held by the nonprofit. And it was amazing. So it was very awesome being able to educate these young creatives on what it takes to bring a story to life in digital form and then empowering them to be that much more inspired and creating more unique stories, just making sure your voices are heard in many mediums. Yeah, I love that. And your theme has kind of has been that people's voices are heard. I wonder, can you share a little bit about the types of professionals that you bring to work at your company? And how do you make space for that um, voice and equity in, you know, in the team that you build? So for me, it's very much all about empowerment. Um, so types of voices and individuals are those who are naturally historically excluded within our industry uh, when you're looking at statistics and details or just simply scrolling a page of a games or animation team and just looking at those who are represented and realizing certain representation is not there consistently making sure those types of individuals are being empowered and given opportunities within our um, company to tell their story or be involved in and projects with companies or individuals that they never thought or saw possible. Yeah. I mean, Dr. Thomas, you have had the pleasure of working with both of these uh, young people, right? At different uh, points in their career and life. Um, Obviously Nick is, you know, an adult now. And looking back on your experience, I wonder, how do you best support students, right? Looking back in Ruby and Nick, how do you support students in tapping into that entrepreneurial spirit about issues they care about? And what kind of advice would you give to other educators as they start to do this? So I think the best way you can support them is listening first, right? Um, In my classroom, and it took me uh, a minute in the beginning to, as I was embarking in this journey uh, and supporting students with this type of um, my entrepreneurial mindset or those interested in service learning to just listen, listen to what they are passionate about, listen to what they noticed in the community and how they were processing what they see, whether it was unfortunately, um, gun violence, or if they saw a protest, or if they saw something that didn't really jive with um, what they thought was appropriate, and that should be happening, or if they saw something where they wanted to contribute. So really listening to young people and hearing what they have to say, and then from there, helping them kind of expand their thinking and look at it from different perspectives, so that they can find their niche for them to really grow their passion. Yeah. You and I um, supported, facilitated, um, organized many service learning experiences for students, right? The opportunity for them to connect what they're learning to their impact in the community and giving back. Um, We always were infusing this entrepreneurial spirit and um, really giving opportunities for choice and um, allowing for students to demonstrate issues that they cared about, but through their entrepreneurial spirit, right? And so I wonder, can you think of an example that you would want to um, share with our listeners of a service learning experience that connect entrepreneurial spirit with issues that um, students care about? Um, I know we have a zillion. I'm I'm thinking of, I'm wondering if you're going to choose the same one I'm thinking of. 
Um, I don't know, but what I can say, what comes, is so many that come to mind. The one that sticks out to me is the one I did with my eighth graders uh, before the pandemic and was related to looking at how, what does digital citizenship look like and how do you help individuals access and develop digital um, literacy um, if they are in a circumstance like in a homeless shelter. And so the students that I worked with, we worked with a program here in Philly called Project Home. And the goal was to help those individuals have access to um, technology and then also train and support them and using that technology to find jobs and engage in research. And so with the students, they knew that they wanted to teach them, uh, teach the residents of this um, shelter, uh, mainly of women, how to use, how to get jobs. But I said, well, wait a minute, if you want them to do that, they don't have access to computers and other things, but you also just can't give people things without understanding whether or not if this is really meeting the need. So we had to go take a step back from their passion and look, okay, let's do a needs assessment. And what we found was they, the individuals of the shelter not only wanted to have access to be able to research jobs, but they wanted to be able to read. So they wanted to have access to digital books or have things read to them if they had low literacy skills. And so then from there, the students realized, wait, how are they going to get these supplies so that they can do this research? And so the, the new step was we need to fundraise, uh, gather funds in order to supply these um, resources. And so from there, the students made their own donation letters. They reached out to um, have fundraisers so that they could raise $1,500 to purchase a whole cart full of um, Amazon Kindle Fire so that and develop training for um, the shelter residents on job research. And so that's one of my uh, one of my favorite uh, service learning projects. Yeah, I mean, y- you really facilitated some really amazing ones that really brought technology to the forefront. It actually made me think today, um, I got a LinkedIn request from an old student who now is a full-time technology support specialist at a school. And it made me think of that, right? This was a student I... I can think of and think about his time uh, doing computer science. And so um, really exciting. The combination of student passion and entrepreneurial spirit is really one that's hard to promote. But by combining the learning students are doing in schools and after school programs with actions in their community and community educators that can spark this spirit, right, is amazing. By integrating service into the learning experiences, students see what their impact is and they see the possibilities for their future. We also can help them explore topics they're interested in and learn skills they need to be successful in future life because that is the power of career connected service learning. We are going to have to take one last short break, but when we come back, we're going to get some final reflections from today's guests and share some resources for getting started. So please stay with me, Shira Wolf-Cohen on the power of young people to change the world. We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. 
For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual Spring National Service Learning Conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the show. In our last few minutes, uh, I want to get some final reflections and thoughts and tips uh, for how we can engage youth and for the adults that work to support their learning and development. Today, we have been talking to uh, educators, young people, young professionals about what they are passionate about and what they care about in the community and how that has come across in their careers and in their entrepreneurial spirit. This is not a conversation that is new because many states have career standards, career education continuum that ensures that students can be prepared. Here in Pennsylvania, as low as kindergarten, schools are expected to run career education programs and expect that students are going to start thinking about who helps in the community, what sort of skills they have, and how they can give back. And so this conversation is really one that is relevant for today. So I want to go back to Dr. Thomas. Uh, you shared with us before we took a break about a service learning experience that really sparked entrepreneurial spirit and also, you know, really started for students to see what it could be like to work with other people, to think about their needs, and to get their hands into the importance of technology. So I wonder, um, it, it, you probably have a wealth of resources. Um, do you have any that you'd like to share to help teachers empower youth to change the world? In terms of just technology or in general? I would think either one, whether they're books or technology or um, apps that you use or a tool or a book that you love. So I think that one book that in particular that will help you really kind of break down those barriers and getting to know your students. There's a book by Kylie Schwartz called I Wish My Teacher Knew. And I think that for educators, so this is my educator resource, it really uh, helps teachers kind of put on a different type of hat of how they perceive students and they welcome students as they are and really listen to students, both the nonverbal cues and the verbal cues that students 
might have that could share their background and that you can incorporate in their education. In terms of resources uh, for another resource for educators are the 40 developmental assets for young people, which talks about the internal and external assets that we need to make sure that we're cultivating. And that's by the Search Institute. I think being aware of those and how you make sure you're uh, cultivating that is definitely going to help kind of extract that entrepreneurial spirit if you're attending to student social emotional well-being. For young people, what I would say is my resource is, um, I guess my tip or suggestion would be, don't be afraid to make connections to adults and to push adults to provide you with the learning and experiences that you deserve. So you know if you're not getting the what you want out of the experience, push the envelope in a respectful way and really say, you know what, can you help me understand how this is going to make connections to my life and how it's going to be added value because you deserve that and know that you don't have to just be a consumer of your learning, but a creator and a curator of your learning. Yes. I love how your focus is so much on relationships and awareness. I think Um, There are so many educators and a lot of schools still that are like, we are college ready, right? We're on this college bound track. Everyone here goes to college. That's how we measure it, right? But we also just heard heard from Nick, right? Who, Who maybe recognized that that wasn't the path he was going to take. And so I think we also as educators need to open up that success for students looks different. And so the more we can build those relationships with them, the more we can help them to become aware of who they are and what their skills are and what they like, that's going to be so important. Te- uh, Nick, your teachers, I know you you had relationships with certain teachers, um, certain educators like Dr. Thomas and myself. What were some of the things that those educators did, the ones that actually promoted your interest and your entrepreneurial spirit? Most definitely. So I will be the <laughs> first to confirm and say I was able to graduate because of the support of Miss Wolf, um, our host. So <laughs> there, <laughs> it is very, it was very different. I can't take me. full credit. I just stuck up for you when you were sleeping in classes because <laughs> I knew that you were coding. Very, <laughs> that was very helpful. It's very difficult um, being able to show your interest outside of school, but also still be required to go through the curriculums within the classes that's expected of you when you're, you might not even be in tune with what you're being taught. So a lot of my teachers ranging from Mr. Petcall with math and then computer classes and social media, not film, every after school programs and wrestling, all of the classes I had most of the teachers did not know what I was doing except for uh, my math teacher. So he was able to really like work with me and make sure I was on top of as much as I could be. And then the teachers that I earned mentors, I did get to kind of connect with more were all outside, weren't my teachers. They were people who were involved in after school programs or different um, departments within the school, such as Ms. Wolf and Ms. Thomas. So I think it was very important and good that I engaged in after-school activities as much as I did to form those connections and relationships. Otherwise, I definitely would have failed. 
Yeah, I mean, your story is super similar to mine, right? I didn't have a lot of connections to teachers. I was involved in leadership and after school and things like that. Um, I thank you so much. Ruby, I'm going to have you round us out with our last question. You are moving to a big new middle school next year that has all types of classes and after school programs, right? Because it's a big school. What are you hoping are the types of classes that you would get to take or even after school activities you want to participate in? Well, I definitely want to participate in math classes. I really like numbers and I like math and I think it's super fun. Um, and then art. I really like art. And this year, um, I have worked on a special project with two of my friends. We went to the art room every recess for about a week. Um, and we had this picture of an ancient Egyptian um, Pick, we had a picture of an ancient Egyptian painting and we had to sketch and paint it onto a bigger piece of cardboard. Um, so she, uh, our teacher, Miss Sar, could hang up and we did that. Yeah. And I, I really like art. My whole business is based on art too. So. Yeah, you definitely integrate a lot of math too. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Thanks to Dr. Thomas, to Nick and to Ruby for joining us today. Um, I am hopeful that your experience will help teachers tap into the power of student passions and give them opportunities to give back using those passions. This is the power of career-connected service learning, the ability to build skills, give back, and prepare our youth to be successful and productive citizens in our world. If you're an educator who wants to learn more about service learning, please check out nylc.org and download a ton of free resources Sign up for professional development, including the Certificate in Service Learning and Instructional Leadership Program, which Amy and I facilitate. Or just contact us for help to get started, info at nylc.org. Thanks to all of our listeners today for tuning in. Next week, Amy will be back, and she will be joined by the RISE Challenge, which brings environmental nonprofits and government agencies in Illinois to support ed environmental education in grades 5 through 10. You don't want to miss this great conversation. So save the date for Thursdays at 6 Eastern Standard Time. And until next time, join us as we serve, learn, and change the world. Thanks for letting me join you these past two weeks. Amy will be back next week. See you later. And thanks so much again to our guests. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Power of Young People to Change the World. Your host, Amy Muirs, will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world.